Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Just sitting behind stage and listening to those lyrics and uh, just really just pleased with those lyrics. It says, who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? Who controls the world I see and walks me through it all? Just thank you. Thank the Lord that he is the one who walks with us, who walks through life with us, and that he loves us and he knows us completely. There's nothing he doesn't know about us, and he loves us fully. So that's pretty, pretty amazing truth. So thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning in worship. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for that opportunity to, to worship you together. Thank you that you know us completely and, and love us completely, dear God. And Lord, I just want to pray that today as we talk about the, the long view and looking at our plan in life, Lord, that we would just realize that you have our best in mind, uh, you have your glory in mind, and Lord, if we follow you, um, we will be the most fulfilled that we could possibly be in life. So I just thank you in your name. Amen. Well, really glad that you're here this morning, and if you are watching online, thank you for joining us, and I've really enjoyed this series starting last week, and this, what are you looking at, and I was thinking about, should I do the voice that Doug does, you know, the, what are you looking at, but I just, I just can't do it, I was thinking maybe we should just have a recording play that every time I mention the series, we could have Doug's voice come through, um, but this is, this is a great, uh, great series, and what we look at really determines the course of our life. If you look at power... You're going to naturally head towards the thing that you feel or the things that you feel will give you the most control over the people and circumstances in your life. If you're looking at money, you will set the course of your life to gain the most wealth that you can possibly get. And then if you're looking at pleasure, you will do all that you can to make sure that you feel good. Where we look at determines our direction as we move through this series. Our goal uh, is to challenge you and, of course, ourselves to consider what we have our sights set on. If we set our sights on power, that's going to last a very short time. Somebody younger, stronger than us is going to come along and take that power away from us. It's painfully obviously when I played basketball against my son Parker, there was a great amount of time where I enjoyed just, just throttling him. You know, he was eight years old and I could handle him pretty well. Uh, and then he got a little bit older and I think I won maybe four games of one-on-one this summer. So if we're thinking about power that we, we can just overpower people, that's going to be taken away by younger and stronger people. If you're looking at money, um, of course, uh, you, will, you will just... Uh, Sorry, I just lost my place there. Um, Our money will not provide what will truly satisfy us in in life. And then our pursuit of pleasure will often end up being the very thing that causes us the most misery in life. So if you haven't listened to Doug's message from last week, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Because he attacked Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we see from Solomon, we see how, how Solomon pursued anything, really, that you could set your mind to. Power, finances, pleasure, all of those things. And Solomon said, you know what, all of it's just a grasping of the wind. It it, it amounts to nothing. 
I think Doug did an excellent job of, of reminding us that the filter in our life needs to be this as we're, we're looking forward with my bucket list. What am I going to accomplish? We need to ask this question. Will it allow me to live justly? Will it allow me to show that I love mercy? And it will, will it allow me to walk humbly with, my, with our God? So if you've missed that message, uh, please go back. You can see it on YouTube, or you can find our podcast at First Baptist Church, Lloyd Minster. Uh, really a great way to just to catch up on, on what's been going on at church if you missed the messages. Also, now that we're doing sermon-based small groups, uh, our media is a great way for you to brush up uh, before you go to small group. And if you want to sound really smart, just stream it on your way to the small group. And you'll be like, yeah, I know what Doug talked about. I know exactly what was, was spoken on last week. So lots of resources there for you. Before we, want to, before we get too far in this morning's message, I want to share a story with you that I feel uh, relates to today's topic as we're looking at God's plan for our life. And um, one year ago today, uh, I was at home in, in Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, laying in bed. Amanda had not woken up yet, and uh, I was just having a little chat with God. Amanda and I knew that God was, or we felt that God was getting ready for us to move, that he was, he was preparing our hearts to, to move and for a shift in, in uh, ministry. Um, but he seemed to be taking his grand old time letting us know that what, was go- what that was going to be. So I was laying in bed that morning and I said to God, God, come on, you just got to give me something. Let us know, like, are we, are we staying? Are we moving? What's, what's happening? And... Um, I picked up my phone and I began to look through um, just some, some job opportunities in ministry and landed on um, FBC, the job posting here for the associate pastor. I read it. And I was like, ooh, that, that sounds, God, like you've answered a prayer here. Popped onto the church website, and looked at it, and I was like, yeah, this, is, this sounds exactly like the spot that you would have for us. And then, of course, immediately went to real estate, started looking for houses, thinking, what's the price like to live out there? And by the time Amanda woke up, I said to her, babe, I know the church that we're going to, and I found the house that we're going to live in. You know? <laughs> Looking back, I should have probably given her a minute or two to wake up, you know, to, to process, you know, just the day a little bit more. Uh, but she has been married to me uh, for 22 years now, and she's kind of used to these grand announcements and... Uh, was able to work through those processes with me. And so uh, we looked together at, at, the, at the posting and at the, uh, the information on the church and prayed about it. And that evening, uh, October 17th, one year ago, uh, we sent in our application, um, a resume to, to come here as, as pastor. And uh, the Lord has led us here, and we are very, very thankful uh, that we are able to be here. So I just think it's neat. Uh, this was not prearranged. You know, Bruce, what day did you apply? We're going to make sure you preach on that day and speak on calling. That wasn't prearranged. That was something that after we had picked the topics, and I, you know, man and I were just talking. It's like, what day did we kind of start this process? And I was like, man, that was the day that we ended up, like, you know, applying here. And so God just works in some really, really cool ways. I want to say that we're so thankful that we are here. Um, as God calls you, sometimes there are difficulties, you know, leaving family and friends back in the Maritimes, you know, saying goodbye to Parker, like in the parking lot because of COVID, all those wonderful things that you can do, uh, not allowed to, you know, go into his dorm and say goodbye to him. No, you just have to stand beside your car and say goodbye just before you head across the country, um, bringing Braden out in the middle of his grade 12 year. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of things that were challenging, but we are so thankful. 
that God has brought us here. We know that he has placed us here, uh, and I trust that uh, the benefit will be just as much to you as, at FPC as it has been to us as a family. So just a privilege to, to be here and to be able to share you that uh, this morning. Most likely, all of us have some sort of idea of what we would like our life to be like. Probably, you know, even as a child, you begin to dream, this is, this is what I'd like to do, this is what I would like to be, and we begin to sort of put those things into place. If you're a young, people, or young person here this morning, you know, you may be thinking, okay, what, what school am I going to attend? What career am I going to get? Uh, you know, am I going to have somebody that I get to spend the rest of my life with? And, and we begin to think about those things. As you move into your 20s and your 30s, you begin to think, okay, you know, sort of got this career thing in place, and, and now, you know, I got to think about, well, where do I invest? Do I invest into a house? Do I, you know, maybe pay to renovate the house a little bit? And, and all of these things that you're starting to think, what takes me to that next step in my plan? If you're in that age category, young kids, you're probably thinking, when do I actually get to start sleeping through the night again, you know, with my kids keeping me awake, and you're just planning, I can't wait till that happens. When you're in your 40s and 50s, you know, maybe you know, kids have moved out, you're enjoying a little bit more financial freedom, and you're just like, okay, we're just moving along here, ticking along in the plan. You hit retirement age, and you're like, okay, I'm going to learn a new skill. I'm going to really develop the art of the siesta, you know, and I'm going to really uh, just enjoy the fruit of my labor for the past 40 uh, to 50 years. Having goals is not bad. Having a plan is not bad. In fact, it's very wise and healthy to, to plan things out. But the thing that we want to consider today and the thing that we want to really look at today as we consider our plan is, is this. Have we made God the center of our plans? Have we brought our plans to him and said, God, is this where you want me? Or maybe have we even before we've made our plans said to God, God, is this what you want from me? Is this what will bring the most glory to you? In order to do that, we're going to start by looking at Isaiah chapter 6. This passage has challenged me and encouraged me a lot over the years. Um, really can't dive into it as deeply as, as, um, as it deserves, um, but it's an amazing passage of Scripture. I hope that you get to spend some time in it. We're going to see that Isaiah gave, uh, God gave Isaiah a really incredible vision. We're going to see that he, he just kind of snapped Isaiah's attention in a direction that it hadn't been before, and it gave him a whole new perspective. From there, we're going to look at a number of different folks who, who had their plans altered by God. And we're going to see that, that not all of them follow that same pattern that Isaiah had. In fact, I don't even know if there, we could say there's a pattern for how God calls people and directs them in their life. I want us to see that when God realigns our plans, that oftentimes it comes at a cost. I, I guess we put that in quotes. We feel it's going to be a cost to let God realign our plans. But when we truly understand and put our faith and trust in him, we'll realize that it's really not a cost. In fact, the blessings that we receive uh, far outweigh any cost that we could ever imagine. And then finally, I want us to see where our center of focus should be as we go about to make our plans in our lives. So let's look at, at Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah, um, as, from what everything that I could see about Isaiah, this guy sort of had his life all together, even before Isaiah chapter 6. He was, he was wealthy. He seemed to be part of the royal family. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the writers that I, that I was reading this week suggested that perhaps Isaiah was a cousin to King Uzziah. He was well-educated. Serving under King Uzziah is probably when he began his prophetic ministry, and, and Uzziah was, was really the king that you wanted to be a prophet under because Uzziah loved the Lord. 
Uzziah sought God and, and did what pleased God, did what was right in the, in the eyes of God. So being a prophet when there's no really woe or any condemnation coming, that's a pretty good place to be. That's a place that I would like to be. Jerusalem itself did very well economically, financially, agriculturally under Uzziah. And so we see that, that Isaiah's life really was, was pretty good. He's, he's prophesying for a godly king. Uh, he's a chronicler. He's, he's educated enough that he's writing out the accounts of Uzziah's life. We can see that in 2 Chronicles 26. He's got it all together. He's got things just, just rolling along, just ticking along. And I'm sure at some point, I don't know Isaiah's heart, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I'm sure there was a, a level of, of comfort, a level of cruising that just sort of maybe took on in Isaiah's life. And you know, I think it's easy for us, the more and more our plan comes together, the easier and easier it becomes to assume that we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. We're, we're, everything's just ticking along. We've got our job. We've got our, our, our career. We've got our money coming in. We've just, you know, progressed. Our kids seem to be doing well. Man, this, is, this must be exactly where God wants me. You know, and in Isaiah, he, he had that same situation. He's just, he's just like, man, everything's just rolling along here. And then something begins to change. King Uzziah gets ill. His son Jotham begins to reign in Israel. And Jotham was a good king as well. And then there's rumblings of, of war coming from Assyria. And, and Isaiah, I'm sure, is beginning to wonder, what's happening to my plan? What's, what's going on? And in Isaiah chapter 6, we can see this. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin has atoned for. Again, this is a, a fascinating passage, but what we really want you to see this morning is how God realigned Isaiah's perspective. God basically in this passage said to Isaiah, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the success that you've had in the past? Are you, are you looking at the fact that your plan was all coming together? Are you looking at the fact that there was this, this earthly king who was a good king, but now he's either come to the end of his life? Uh, it says in the year that King Uzziah died, so some wonder if Uzziah has already died or if he, they knew that his end of life was, was, in, that, was in that year. But Uzziah, or Isaiah knew that Uzziah was going to die, and, and God is saying to Isaiah, what are you looking at, though? Where's your confidence? Who's directing your plan? Is, it, is your confidence in an earthly king? Or Isaiah, are you going to take the time to look at me, the eternal sovereign? And really, that's what God did. He, he just snapped Isaiah's attention right back to himself. Again, if Isaiah walked into the church today before Isaiah chapter 6, we would look at him and say, you, you've got it all together. You were doing well in life. We would welcome him into, into the church. We would give him probably positions of leadership. He, was, he had it all together. But Isaiah, God wanted Isaiah to know, I've got more for you. 
You're, you're doing well, but you could do so much better if you realign your vision on me rather than on your earthly king. And Isaiah, as he, he sees God, just this whole thing, this whole level of confidence melts away. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. As he's been cruising along in his plan, well-respected, all of a sudden now he looks at God and he goes, ooh, I got a long way to go towards holiness. And he, apologizes, he confesses his sin. He apologizes before God. He immediately receives restoration. And after he receives that forgiveness and restoration, God says this, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Have you ever thought about how crazy this interaction was? Isaiah walks into the temple. He has this amazing vision of God. God realigns his vision, uh, realigns his focus, and he says, Isaiah, pay attention. Look at me. And Isaiah does that. Then God says, All right, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah goes, I'm in. He had no idea what he was in for. He had no idea what God's plan was. But when he looked at God and saw God in his holiness, when he saw God in his sovereignty ruling on an eternal throne, he didn't ask, God, well, what is it? Well, God, where will it move me? God, God, how much pay cut will I take? God, he just said, God, I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. And when we see God and we realign our focus and filter everything through the greatness and the glory of God, it'll be amazing to see where he leads us, where he takes us, and where he challenges us in life. Interestingly enough, it seems that that God left Isaiah right where he was. Didn't move him out of Jerusalem, didn't move him out of his position as a prophet, didn't really move him out of his, his, his influence with the kings. Left him right there. But what he had done was he had said to to Isaiah, stop looking at people and circumstances. Keep your eyes fixed on me and your plan will be clear. So that was Isaiah. The next one that I want to look at is is David. We don't know much about David before we meet him in 1 Samuel uh, 16. And quite honestly, he has a really lackluster introduction for someone who is going to go on to be one of Israel's most famous kings, for someone who's going to be go on to know, be known as a man after God's own heart. And we see that, that Samuel had gone to Bethlehem, and God had told Samuel, go to Bethlehem, anoint uh, one of Jesse's sons to be king. And Samuel was nervous about this. He's like, yeah, God, Saul's king. What's he going to do when he finds out, you know, that I've anointed somebody else? God said, don't worry about that. I'll deal with that. You just do what I've told you to do. So Samuel goes and he, he meets Jesse and they, they bring him, you know, they bring the sons of Jesse out. And they begin to pass these sons before Samuel. And each son, God says, nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. All the way through Jesse's sons, I can't remember exactly how many sons there were, um, but, but they get to the end, there's no more sons. It seems. And Samuel's all confused. And you can see this frustration in, in uh, Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are, are all your sons here? And it's interesting, Jesse's, Jesse's result, like, response. He knew that Samuel was there to anoint a king. He had brought his sons out and he had presented them all to him and none of them were picked. And then Samuel's like, well, is this them all? And Jesse's kind of like, well, there is David, but he's, he's out keeping the sheep. You know, and you can see this of, uh, in the second part of verse 11. And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. Man, 
Dad doesn't even have enough confidence in you that this guy is here on a mission from God to find a king, and he doesn't even bother to go get you. He doesn't even bother to go get you out of the field. He's just like, well, there's, there's David, but certainly he can't be king, king material. You know? And young people, as I think about you guys, I think about this really in particular. As you're making your plan for your life, don't let your circumstance, don't let your current situation determine what God may use you to do. You know? Don't be afraid to dream beyond and to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? You see, David, he's sitting out in the field. He probably didn't think, you know, one day I'm going to be king. At best, he thought maybe I'm going to continue on with the father's, my father's business of being a shepherd. Maybe he had dreams of joining Saul's army and becoming a great warrior, but, but never a king. Never, never the king over Israel. Never even part of the family who Jesus Christ was eventually going to be born through. David didn't see that coming. So young people, I want, to, I want to challenge you. Don't settle for what you think you can do. Ask God what he wants you to do. Ask him what he wants you to do, and then when he lays that on your heart, you go for it with all your might. Parents, as your young people are, are getting ready to choose career, as they're choosing you know, what God wants them to do, don't limit what God can do through them. If he calls them to something and he lays that on their heart, you know, as a parent, it's hard to let go of your kids. I'm finding that out at this stage of our life. It's hard to let them make their own independent decisions. But if they come to you and they say, I have been praying about this and I have been studying the word of God and I truly feel this is where God wants me to be, walk through that with them. It may not be the financial goal that you had for them. It may not be the safe place that you had for them. But if God has called them, walk through that with them. Encourage them. And then pray like mad because you love them so dearly. Right? But just don't settle for less. Don't settle for safe. Don't settle for comfort. Be ready to say, okay, God, you've got something great for me, and I will pursue that with my, with my whole being. I love the end of this uh, passage. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. See, guys, God called David. He said, I got a job for you, a job that you never imagined possible. And when he was chosen for that, when he was anointed for that, the Spirit of God immediately rushed on him to enable him to do what God had called him to do. Folks, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have that same assurance. As Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven, he says this to his disciples after he had laid out his plan for them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we don't have to fear. We don't have to wonder, hey, if God has laid this on our heart, in my heart, am I going to be able to do it? You will, because his spirit will be working in and through you. And we can have confidence to say, hey, God, this is way beyond what I ever thought was possible for my life. But I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust that Holy Spirit who will enable me to do that. The next guy that we want to take a look at is, is Moses. And you can go to Exodus chapter 3, uh, really, if you, if you want to follow along in this story. Uh, Moses, he had been chosen from God right from an early age as, as God sort of rescued him out of the Nile River and, and set him up into the Pharaoh's house. Moses, God had a plan for Moses. 
Moses, one day you're going to lead the children of Israel out of slavery. Partway through his life, Moses says, okay, this must be the time. And, and, and he makes a really wrong choice in fulfilling God's plan. Right? It, it was God's plan to use him to set the people free, but Moses went about it in the wrong way. And that choice that he made, it, it actually caused Moses to have to flee from Egypt, to have to run for his life, and he ends up in a place called Midian. And there in Midian, he, he, he just kind of settles in as a shepherd, uh, again, just, just taking care of the sheep. He marries, he has children, and, and he's, just, he's just living his life out in this, in this desolate place in, in Midian. And 40 years later, 40 years later, God comes to Moses. He says, Moses, it's time. It's time to fulfill your purpose in life. It's time to fulfill your plan. Well, that wasn't part of Moses' plan anymore. Moses' plan was, I'm just going to live out my days here. I can't go back there. I blew it. I really messed up. And God says, nope, it's time. You're going back. In your small group uh, material this week in the, water, in the read section, you're going to read this passage of Exodus chapter 3, this debate between God and Moses. And it's, it's, a, it's a funny debate. It really is, right? Moses is like, nope, can't do it. Here's why. God's like, uh, I got you covered. Nope, can't do it. Here's why. No, nope, I got you covered. And it's just this back and forth between God and Moses. And just Moses saying, I can't. God's saying, you're going to. And Moses saying, I can't. God's like, look, I made you. We don't have any trouble accomplishing this goal. And it's just this back and forth. But the thing that Moses had to do was he had to overcome his short view. He had to overcome that short view of, of facing his past, of realizing, hey, hey, I, I really blew it back there. And he had to take the long view of no matter if you blew it or not, God is willing to forgive, to restore, and to use you for his honor and glory. And so Moses eventually does do that. He eventually goes back, and, and God uses him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And folks, it is so important that we are willing to listen to God's direction. There may be something in your life, there may be a calling that God has for you, and you're like, God, I just, I can't. I can't step into that ministry. 20 years ago, I did this. I can't step into that ministry. I, I blew it, you know, when I, was, when I was younger. And God's saying, no, I want you to confront that. I want you to go to back. I want you to deal with that. And then I want you to, to move forward with my power and my blessing. We have to be confident in that. We have to be confident in God's restoration of us. The last guy that we want to see is this guy. He doesn't have a name, but he had some major problems. He's in the New Testament. You can find his story in Mark chapter 5. And, and before he met Jesus, this guy was possessed by, by a great number of demons. And his life in, in, in his village, in his town, was, was very unpleasant. You know, the people of the town had tried to restrain him, and they would, they would bind him up with, with uh, chains, and they would shackle him, and, and the, the demons working within him would enable him to, to break free of those chains. You know, he was a scary guy. He would walk through uh, the, the hills at night and, and, and through the day and through the tombs, and people would hear him, and he would cut himself with stones, and he would cry out. He's the guy that, you know, the mother said to their children, don't, don't go near there. Don't go near him. He's the one who, who people in town probably weren't very fond of. And they were terrified of him. And, and Jesus comes to, to where he, he lives. And he meets Jesus, and, and Jesus casts out the demons that were in him. And in doing that, it's a crazy story again. The Bible's so full of amazing stories, accounts, not stories, accounts of what happened. 
Jesus casts those demons out of him, sends them into a herd of pigs. That herd of pigs, you know, goes follow the leader off over a cliff, and the pigs drown and die. And there's these couple guys that were watching all this. They see Jesus come. They see him talking to this demon-possessed man. Then they see the pigs go nuts, and they run into town. And they're like, guys, we got a problem. You thought this guy was powerful? Some guy just showed up, and, and it's crazy. And they brought all these people from the village to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we don't know who you are. We don't know what's going on. We know how powerful this guy was, and, and you've trumped that power. We would just like it if you'd left, if you would leave. And they begged Jesus to leave. They didn't know what was going on. And when they came, they also, the Bible tells us that they saw the guy that was demon-possessed sitting in his right mind, fully clothed, and, and just fully restored. And they asked Jesus to leave. Jesus, Jesus begins to leave, and, and this guy says, Jesus, I'm coming with you. That was his plan. He was looking at Jesus. He's like, Jesus, you've done so much for me. I'm going to follow you. I want to learn from you. I want to, I want to just do all that I can to be, to be with you. Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Sounds like something we would encourage most people with. Jesus said, no, I've got other plans for you. Mark chapter 5, verse 19, it says this. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That was, that was not in this guy's plan. He, he had to go back to, to where most people were afraid of him. He had to go back to, to where he probably had a lot of embarrassment over. And yet Jesus said, you know, I, I would, you know, it's not in my plan for you to follow along. It's my plan for you to stay where you are and to tell the people that know you best and known about you what God has done for you and in you. So these people all had their plans altered. They all had their plans changed by, by God. It wasn't what they had chosen for themselves, and they said, man. And God said, no, I have a different plan for you. Each one had a cost, but if you had asked each one today, was it worth it? I guarantee you they would say 100%. I would do it again. Because following God, aligning yourself with his plan, is the most filling and satisfying place to be. How do we plan? How do we plan with purpose? Craig, I'm going to skip ahead of slide to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, but behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. How do I make my plans? I think the way that I need to make my plans is that I need to understand first and foremost my identity. If I have placed my faith and trust in Christ, I am a new creation in him. And in that, in that new creation, he gives me new life, new purpose, new desires. And then he says, I've got a specific job for you. And that specific job is to be an ambassador, an ambassador for Christ, to show other people what God is like. The job of an ambassador is actually defined uh, as this. Ambassadors, ambassadors represent the U.S. government or their country of origin in place of the president or leader. Ambassadors are known as, also known as diplomats, a more general term describing those who work in a foreign country while retaining citizenship in their home country. I think it's an amazing you know, uh, definition of us as, as Christians. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
And yet Christ has left us here. He ascended back to heaven. And our job is to reflect him to the people that are around us. How do I make my plans? I make my plans based on the fact that I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I make my plans based on my identity, not my desires. I just want to read you a, a quick account um, of a lady who did this very well. And this is from uh, Forgotten God, a book by Francis Chan. I would highly encourage you to read it. This is a, a neat account from this book. Esther Ann Kim's biography is among the most powerful testimonies I have ever read. It was during World War II and the Japanese occupation of Korea that Esther's journey of faith really began. She refused to bow down at the shrine set up in every corner of her country and was eventually imprisoned for six years from 1939 until 1945. Knowing she was destined for prison but for refusing to bow to idols, Esther spent time training herself both physically and spiritually. Each day she would find and eat food that was decaying, knowing that this was what she would be served in prison. The discipline she demonstrated is humbling. How many of us would have chosen to eat rotten food? While preparing for prison, she memorized more than 100 chapters of the Bible and many hymns because she knew she would not be allowed to keep her Bible. She spent countless hours seeking God through fasting and prayer. These times when she read the scriptures led to greater clarity, and she was able to surrender her fear of being tortured. When she eventually was taken to prison, God used her in countless ways. One night, a young Chinese woman convicted of killing her husband was brought in. She moaned incessantly and beat on the doors until the guards tied her hands behind her back. It was this woman that God called Esther to love and reach out to. Esther held the woman's feet at night to warm them, even though the woman was covered in her own excrement. Though food rations were small, Esther gave up her portions for three days to this woman. Over that time, the Chinese woman began to respond, carrying on conversation and eventually accepting the good news of the gospel. The woman was later executed for her crime, but she went to her death alive in Christ. This is one of the many people that God used Esther to minister to. Murderers and swindlers who were utter outcasts were changed before all who watched as the love of Christ through Esther healed their hearts and gave them hope. Even the jailers and government officials noticed how Esther shone in that dark place. She could have just endured her suffering like a good Christian and we would have applauded her for it. But she was not merely content to endure. She was ready every day and every moment asking God, who do you want me to love for you today? This lady had her eyes on the right place. She had her focus set. I am an ambassador for Christ. And I will do what he has called me to do, even though it's against my comfort, even though it's against my pleasure, even though it's against my desires. I want to be glorified in and through him. I want people to see Christ through me. And I will let God guide my plans so that I can glorify him best. Thank you. Doug's going to come. Thanks, Bruce. Great challenge for us this morning. Uh, and now we're going to do something that we've been uh, remiss in not doing earlier. It's been t taking so long. We've been waiting for an optimum time to do it, and that just doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon. So we're going to do it today. I'm going to call Avery and Amanda Toman if they'd come up and join me on the stage. As they're coming, would you give them a welcome, an official FBC welcome? Today we do want to officially welcome you guys here.
It, I know it's been a year, a little over a year, October the 1st last year, uh, but um, it feels like it was just yesterday, Some, and sometimes it feels like it was even earlier than that. Man, it's been one long day for a year in some respects. But anyhow, we're, we're excited to have you guys joining us as you come alongside us now and help us in our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and um, you know, we want to encourage you today as you, as you come into our uh, fellowship and as you come into our mission and, and join us and enable us in that. I've, I've worked in the public sector and I've worked in the private sector and ministry is neither of them. It's different in so many ways. Just over and over again, I find it to be a whole different animal. Uh, it's not nearly as well defined as you experience in those other sectors. It's not nearly as easy to measure as you find in other sectors. And, and the perks definitely aren't the same as in those other sectors. But it does give us a front row seat every day to see God at work, both in our lives and in the lives of others around us and in our, in our community. And on that level, it's unparalleled. And so I hope that for you, it will be as amazing as it's been for me and as rewarding for you as it's been for me as well as you join us here. That said, it's also a challenge. Uh, every day you go to work and you know that there is a foe that is going to be working against you. And he's going to be working against those that you're working with. And so it's a challenge. And so I want to encourage you today as you begin and as you, well, as you continue to, to remember that God is with you. That makes all the difference. At least for me it has. And Amanda, I know you're not on staff but you're here rightfully as well, standing with Avery. Because as his helpmate, you are going to have the most profound effect on his ministry of any other person, beyond any other person. And so you can help him in that. You can be a resource to him in that. And as you enable him, then he will enable him in his mission and his ministry life here and going forward. So it's good that you're here alongside Avery because this is every bit as much for you as it is for him. I want to just give you two verses this morning uh, that I'll, I'll hope that you'll take with you into the rest of your ministry life. And they're from Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. There it says, This book of the law, Scripture, is not to depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way pro prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In this encouragement to Joshua, we find some really key points. First of all, be strong. Don't, don't be weak. Don't be faint in heart. Ministry will be tough, but you, you're up to it. Secondly, be courageous. Don't be shy and don't be timid. Go boldly as God leads you and as Bruce has been speaking this morning. His plan, he will enable you to accomplish. So don't, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid is the next one. 
you can be confident again going forward. It will be intimidating. There will be days when it will be unnerving. But don't be afraid. And definitely don't be dismayed. Sometimes it doesn't go the way we think it should, the way we want it to, or what have you. But don't be dismayed. Even in those things, God is working. He's at work, and he will accomplish everything necessary as he sees fit, day by day, regardless of how well it goes according to what we think it should. So take heart in that. And like Joshua, I trust that you will see God do great things in you both and in your ministry going forward here and wherever God leads you in the future. So as we commission you this morning, let me pray for you now. Father, this, this morning, Lord, we want to stop and we first of all say thank you for Avery and Amanda. Thank you, Lord, for working in their life to bring them here, for calling them to ministry. God, I pray that as they take up that challenge and as they follow you, that you would be with them as you've promised. That day by day, that you would enable them, that you would empower them to accomplish the things that you've set out, the good works that you've ordained for them in advance to do for your kingdom's sake. So bless them, watch over them, guard and protect them and their family, and reward them, Lord, for their faithfulness as they serve you, that they would see glimpses of you day by day, that they would know your peace in their hearts, your power in their lives, all for Christ's sake, and in his name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. And now I'm going to ask Dave Thompson if he would come with Bruce and Amanda. Thank you, Doug. <clears throat> Will you extend the same welcome to uh, Bruce and Amanda? All of the things that uh, Doug said apply, apply to, uh, to you as well, and his prayer uh, applies to you as well. Friends, this morning, commissioning of a pastor is both a solemn moment and a moment of great celebration in the life of the pastor and in the experience of the church congregation. So in that sense, it is a, with a great pleasure on behalf of the Board of Elders and you as a church congregation that I conduct this short ceremony to officially and publicly commission you, Pastor Bruce Steves, to fill the role of associate pastor here at FBC. Jesus, the master and great role model of servant leadership, commissioned those just before he ascended to carry his message and gave them empowerment but also with some sobering words when he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's from John 20, 21. And I believe that those words apply to you as you have stepped forward and accepted that call. Bruce, we are reminded in the fourth chapter of Ephesians that you are a gift to us. The text reads in part, he gave some as pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints 
for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And that's what you've been called to do, and we are so pleased that you've stepped forward and accepted that challenge. You are an answer to prayer for months, both personally, for me and for each individual, and corporately of the church. And it was interesting to hear this morning as we prayed and sometimes said to God, why is it taking so long over here in the West? You were having a similar conversation with the same God on the other side of our huge country. Very, very uh, reassuring. Amanda, you are a brave woman. We recognize and appreciate the sacrifices that you are willing to make to release Bruce to fill the challenge of his calling to ministry. Past experience has taught you that the demands of ministry often impinge on family time. And so we say, thank you. As a congregation, we are blessed to have both of you here as part of our ministry. And we pledge, on behalf of the congregation, we pledge our prayer support and words of encouragement. Now we'd like to offer a prayer, uh, social uh, distancing and embracing a brother at the same time. It's just a little bit challenging, but uh, I think God maybe makes some, uh, some exceptions. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts. We thank you that Pastor Bruce has answered the call of the Great Shepherd. And we make this morning some requests of you, our Father. We request that you will give Pastor Bruce wisdom and discernment as he exercises the considerable gifting that you have blessed him with. We ask for strength and endurance during the hard times. We ask for protection from the enemy of our souls that would seek to distract and derail. And Lord, we ask for a great measure of joy in service as Bruce serves in this role. And Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts as members of the congregation to be receptive hearers and doers of the word as Bruce faithfully shepherds us. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.